0: Hey there, everybody. My name is McThane, here with my legally appointed co-host, Mr. Silverstrike. Indeed. And we are back once again representing XP Gains. This episode continues our mini-series on what we love about games and the genres that we love most in the gaming industry, uh, this media form that we all know and love. This time we're going to be talking about the RPG-like genre. So we've made it out of very specific genres and we're going into some slightly more general stuff And we really felt like grouping together a bunch of similar mini genres, Uh, like in this case, we're talking about MMORPGs, JRPGs, ARPGs, uh, hardcore classic RPG, and also the kind of open-world RPG all in one episode.
1: Have I mentioned everything, Mr. Silverstrike? I think, as usual, that's everything, man. Yeah, you got it. Awesome. So, everybody, enjoy the episode. Catch you on the flip side.
0: Okay. So kicking it off with RPG likes, we've got all the different kind of RPG element type games. They might have some other factors in them, but all of them have a certain amount of role playing or immersion in the world that brings you into an experience where you are you feel like you're shaping the world and shaped by it at the same
1: time. I think that's fair to say. If you say it's an RPG, like it's got to have something like inventory management or stats. You start with inventory and- management.
0: Yeah, obviously. <laughs> that is not a role-playing experience. Packing my bags
1: is not a role-playing experience. <laughs> no, but an inventory and equipping items and stuff is, is RPG. See,
0: I would say the biggest thing for, for it to be an RPG-like, for it to, to be somewhere in the RPG-like genre is some kind of like progression system that is at least partially player choice driven. Not in the sense of, oh, do I say yes or no to this quest? It's more like, what do I choose to progress my character with?
1: Yeah, so this can be XP. It can just be like a leveling system. Skill choice. There's skill choice, like a skill tree, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: So the games that tend to fit into these uh, that we've got anyway, that are, are basically MMORPGs, JRPGs, ARPGs, uh, hardcore RPGs, which is going back to more the original RPG type experience, Baldur's Gate, uh, pre-Fallout 3, Fallout um, and open world stuff. So we're looking at uh, Sleeping Dogs, we're looking at Assassin's Creed and GTA. So although, yes, Um I mean, of course, some of these games are not going to fit into the RPG-like category for a lot of people, particularly looking at games like GTA or Assassin's Creed. Some people may not agree that they're real role-playing games, but you are immersed in the world. You are making choices that involve you in the world. And I, I feel it's fair to say that there's some aspect of role-playing going on there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe starting off with MMOs, you listed Guild Wars here. So, what is your yes. experience with Guild
1: Wars? I played Guild Wars two uh, for a little bit of time. The fake Guild Wars, the plebeian Guild Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a recommendation by a friend who had clocked, I want to say, four thousand hours of Guild Wars two, and wow. I was. Um, what did he, what did he do for all that time? How many? How many of the same event did he repeat? <laughs> well, this is the guy that has I want to say 800 hours clocked on Diablo three, where he has like every character class maxed 20 times or something. Wow. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Um. He's uh. He's he's a bit of a crazy guy, but yeah, he had this ridiculous <laughs> amount of time on Guild <laughs> Wars, and he said, "Why don't you give it a go?" And I was like, well, "You know, okay, uh, we'll see." And I played it for a grand total of I want to say five hours or something before swiftly dropping it like I drop all MMORPGs. Yeah, yeah. Because I cannot, for the love of God, enjoy an MMORPG. It's just not my thing. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think for you, you seem to really like the character
0: building. You really like the, the very deep personal involvement. And I think I heard you complain once, and I think this really put a head on why you personally do not like MMOs, Not to put words in your mouth, but these are your words. Um, So I'm (laughs) going to put your words in your mouth. You said, and I I really remember this. Welcome to uh, whatever game it is, adventurer number 96753. Come and join us for this epic tale of grandeur and mystery, just like everyone else.
1: (laughs) Yes, I was going to bring that up. (laughs) Absolutely. Well,
0: I think... That's what makes and breaks the MMO genre, really. Because for people who Mm -hmm. like the community, that is what makes it. For people who want to feel like they have real impact and real presence and significance, it means absolutely nothing. Because everyone can do what you're doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because because from a story perspective, everyone else is playing exactly the same story, but they're all there with you. Yeah. That's the thing that breaks it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah and when I when you finally complete this
0: like harrowing journey through the mountains and then you're on the other side in the quote unquote refugee
1: camp and there's 50 million people having a dance battle and you're just like what yeah. the hell that's why i play story driven games usually when they're single player games and i love them very much but just imagine you're playing uh the last of us and at the end or like at the end of a level there's like 20 other main characters with their Ellie and they're all like dancing around. Yeah. It takes you out of the game or like out of the story. I remember trying the uh, Elder Scrolls online for a bit. That's also an MMORPG. Mm -hmm. And I played through, I I played it more than I played Guild Wars 2, I want to say, because it had the first person mode and it was, this was again, I think a year, maybe two years after the original release of that game, because there were a lot of complaints with it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, I played it when it was uh, already an improved or a much improved experience. Um, by then, it was no longer paid to play. It was like uh, buy to play. So right, okay. Buy once, and you could still get like a subscription and get extra benefits. Sure, but yeah. uh, once you've purchased the game, you could play it. So I did that for a while. And um, in a way, it was kind of very similar to playing Skyrim, but the only thing that i really love about skyrim is well i'm the special guy i'm the dragonborn (laughs) and then you get dropped into this mmorpg and again the characters act like oh you are the hero chosen to aid us and then you know okay you need to collect the um 15 dwarven cogs in this deep underground cave um and that's oh, okay that sounds like an important mission and then there's like 20 other adventurers yeah. like jumping around to find the cheesiest way to get the 15 gears the fastest well, and i'm and like well this yeah. takes me out of the adventure 100 you know.
0: it's and it, that for me is not even the worst it's when you need to go and find the 15 gears and there are tw- like i don't know 20 people standing around every spawn point oh, spamming yeah, the yeah, pickup definitely. button that too and you have to just stand there as well and you're like yeah this is not I'm sorry. <laughs> just just no. But uh at the yeah. same time the funny thing is you you dislike it because of the crowds basically. Um is that is that fair to say? In a way, yeah. I think if you could go and play that game by itself it wouldn't seem so bad. Is that fair?
1: Yeah. I think that is fair, but I think it I also don't like the typical MMORPG fetch quest. Yes, the grind is a problem
0: in MMOs. Because I think the well, I'm referring to it as grind. I think maybe a
1: more appropriate title. Well, many games have a grinding, yes, for like exactly, a, a gameplay loop. But the core gameplay loop to me isn't very enjoyable at well, all. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly why I was going to rephrase.
0: Because I say grind is is probably not the appropriate term. A more a more precise turn of phrase would probably be the uh, filler content. Basically, it isn't really anything of significance
1: you're just killing time, basically. Yeah. So most yeah. of the game feels like filler, which again, disqualifies it to me as, you know, a serious game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree.
0: I agree entirely. And I think that's one of the biggest, most annoying and frustrating things about MMOs in general is that you're expected to grind or to go through these, you know, filler quests and, and content filler content in order to get something get what and the whole thing is that it's always waving a carrot in front of you and you have to run for the carrot and if you enjoy the core gameplay loop that's fine but when you're doing quests i mean like our friend Lelly putter he hates questing he and i are both playing Mm -hmm. black desert online at the moment he hates questing questing is actually really rewarding and i actually quite like questing i actually read all the stories and one of the things that i appreciate about black desert is the fact that there is Actually, a plausible story behind every little quest. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are fetch quests, of course, because there are only so Mm -hmm. many basic actions you can have people performing. You go and kill things or you go and recover something or whatever. But at the same time, they're given realistic, uh, environmentally appropriate and contextually appropriate causes behind what you're doing. So, like, oh, you know, you're, you're going to fetch these uh, you know, I deer antlers or whatever, because I need to make a bow for my son. It's his birthday and blah, 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 blah. And if you go down to the dock, you can find a kid there who's celebrating and he's saying, where's my dad? He's late, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, all oh, right, okay, right. So this all fits into the story. This kind of mm, makes sense. Yeah. There are things happening and the world feels alive. Um Other elements of Black Desert, very, very grindy. <laughs> so it's definitely yeah. not perfect. Mm.
1: But uh, I don't know. Should we move on? I kind of feel like uh mm yeah there's one more thing i want to mention go ahead uh and that is the the lore potential of an mmorpg just the the shitload amount of lore that you can put into such a game is very interesting but i don't think enough players show interest yeah to actually read like all the books and stuff i really think world of warcraft was the only one that
0: captured that emotional connection with players most of Mm -hmm. the uh really they're they're not really mmos most of them are not really MMOs in their own right. They're they're basically WoW clones with different graphics, yeah. a lot of them, because they cap they copy the mechanics, but they don't copy the same emotional connection. That's one thing that Blizzard has always yes. managed to do is capture people's emotions. Um
1: to the Oh yeah, that reminds mm-hmm. me. Go ahead. Um the the actual from a gameplay point of view, most of the uh MMORPGs are just um very mobile like in the way that you just hit abilities. Yes. And you, you're not very actively participating in combat. And I guess the only real exception that I know is actually the Elder Scrolls Online, which gives you more of like a Skyrim first person perspective on oh, that. If you want free mobile combat,
0: you really should at least try Black Desert because the combat mm-hmm. is phenomenal. It's, it's All really right, well, a lot of fun.
1: That's cool.
0: I don't think you'll enjoy doing it for 500 hours, which is what you want to no. do to get rewarded, but <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. so that's probably a bust for Well, me. I, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's that bad. There are other things. Anyway, it doesn't
1: matter. We're, we're not here to advertise. Disclaimer, we're not here to advertise. <laughs> so one more thing I wanted to say, uh, in addition to all of mm-hmm. that, that I've said before that I said was the last thing <laughs> is- <laughs> The real last thing. <laughs> The real last thing is MMORPGs are no longer very relevant. There's not that many of them that are very successful. I think the two most successful MMORPGs at the moment are Final Fantasy XIV yeah, and World of Warcraft. And those are, you know, when you play them, they feel old. Oh, actually,
0: one thing I wanted, I want to say a last thing too. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, okay. Big games and a big time slot, I guess. That's that's how this goes. Um, I did yes. actually want to say something quickly about Guild Wars 1, because we talked about the grind. We talking we talked about fighting for the end game basically and mm-hmm. feeling like you're yes. constantly grinding to get more. One of the things that I really liked about Guild Wars was that you had a very short Guild Wars 1, specifically. You had a very short playtime before you hit max level. And at that point it was mostly about skill acquisition and which skills you uh wanted to unlock were totally up to you, and you could travel around the map and get them from various skill vendors and things like that. But you had to do a lot of exploring and a lot of adventuring in order to get to those points. And, uh, your most powerful skills, which were called elite skills, could only be captured from bosses that you had defeated in the world. So because so much of the game was about your skill build and how you chose to build for every time you went out on a foray away from town or every time you went through a mission, I actually found that to be one of the most enjoyable and rewarding experiences that I've had in a game world to date because it was about choices rather than about grinding for gear. And yet, they then completely took that away in the second game. And I've never understood why
1: anyway. So that's okay. That was a, yeah, that's my, my point encapsulated. Let's move on. That is a, an interesting point. Okay. So the next one is JRPG, you know, far more
0: about this than I do. So
1: take it away. (laughs) I have, there's some, I have some limited knowledge of, of uh, the JRPG genre. I am not in an avid JRPG game player, um, you may know, um, well, you're probably very well aware last year I disappeared for like two months, um, yes, indeed. while I was playing Persona 5. Uh-huh. One might say um, that we were missing the- your, your Persona while you were away. <laughs> yes. And at the end of the year, I, uh, I also got around to playing Final Fantasy 15. So those are two fairly big JRPGs and they're, v- they, they, like, they almost couldn't be more different from one another. Mm-hmm in the way they play because persona is half of a turn-based uh role-playing game and then the other half is a simulation game and when you look at final fantasy 15 it's more of a of an open world game yeah definitely with um action like active combat there's no like Yeah, it's almost like a um, self contained um, single player mmo or something isn't it you know yeah in a way it is it also has some of those stupid um fetch quests like most open world <laughs> games have yeah. which is unfortunate but um yeah i mean final fantasy 15 was a very pretty game it had an interesting story but it 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 was also a bit of a of, a, of an interesting game because it really kind of split at a certain point in the game it stopped being an open world game and it became a linear game oh. and that was very noticeable so when you hit like chapter 10, I want to say, or something like that, you end up on a linear segment and you're like on a wild ride to the end of the game. And it feels like the second half of the game, frankly, is unfinished. Oh, wow. Um, That's really disappointing. Yeah, it's it's sad. But, and this is interesting, they've done a bunch of DLC and all of the DLC is self-contained, but it takes place and takes you to the moments that seemed unfinished in the original game. So in the original game, there's a a few moments where a party member leaves your party temporarily, and then they come back, and like one of the guys has a massive scar on his face when he comes back. Okay. Who knows what happened? So when you play the DLC, you find out how he got that scar, and the the fun thing about that is every DLC – that exists has different gameplay mechanics from the original game. So one of the DLC feels like Dark Souls-esque. Another DLC has like guns and, and shooting and is more stealthy. Um, and you know, it's, it's very interesting uh, the way they've, they've done DLC there.
0: And I guess this reflects the, uh, the attributes and the supposed fighting
1: style of each individual character yes right, right, right. of the f- the four members of of like noctis's gang from that game yeah. yes uh, which i thought was kind of interesting and i kind of got to appreciate the the game a lot more by playing the dlc i think um, that's really cool but it sounds a lot to me like Deus Ex
0: missing link syndrome, like we talked about before. Yeah. Where it, it felt yeah, it
1: feels it felt a bit jarring. Yeah,
0: they've deliberately cut content in order to create DLC, which I, I understand monetization.
1: I understand that you need to make your money back. I get that. I'm not even sure if it is because of monetary reasons. They've worked on this game for so long, maybe it just wasn't finished. Um, it's also difficult to kind of do like a genre shift or switch to another character when you've been following the main character. So there's like all kinds of reasons I can think of that make sense in this, in this way. But there's a very specific part of the game where you, like one of the locations that's been hyped for the better part of the game, like for the first part of the game, they're talking about the place where the female protagonist of the game her hometown basically you 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 visit at the end of the game and it's burned down so you you can't visit it but it seems like they originally had the plan that you could actually go there and explore that city as well and that was a real shame because that city slash town i don't know what to call it i it's like a big castle the, the with ruin. A city-like structure yeah it, it's a ruin now well but trying to describe anything in final fantasy can be a challenge man yeah <laughs> yeah but there was also, like, they did a lot of um, extra content outside of the game as well. Like, there was a movie, there was an anime, and the movie was, like, visually very impressive. And that the movie also featured that city, and I was like, oh, cool, we're going to get there in the game. And then the <laughs> game was like, you're not you're not going there. Wow, unfortunate. Okay. Anyway, so that was Final Fantasy, albeit like more of an action-y kind of JRPG, but it still has like items and spells and- I
0: I think we're, I'm still a little bit confused. I mean, we've talked about MMORPG. That pretty much explains itself massively multiplayer online. We've talked
1: about the open world. We've talked about the crowds. What defines a JRPG? It's made in Japan and it's got some tropey stuff. Sure, that originated in Japan, and thus it is a JRPG. That's what I would say. Like that's a concise way to put it. I guess. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I'm just putting you on the roaster here. I'm not. I don't really disagree. I'm just wondering how (laughs) how we define that. Um, Yeah. I think we better move on though, because we uh, we're Mm, lingering. Yeah,
1: Yeah, because I still need to elaborate for like an hour on Persona Five, right? So Persona is totally different. You're, you're actually going to do it. I can't believe it. I'm actually going <laughs> to freaking do it. So so let me start. All right. I'll wait. Hang on. Let me let me go get a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. Persona 5 is, like I said, half of a JRPG with a turn-based combat. The other half is simulation. A simulation of you being a Japanese school student. I mean, this doesn't get more Japanese than this, really. It's very tropey. It doesn't get tropier than that. Yeah, that's true. So Persona is half of a turn-based role-playing game. Sure. And then the other half is social simulation. And you play as a Japanese high schooler. And there's some conflict that you have to resolve. And in, in Persona 5, it's the adults are bad people. We have to deal with them. That's basically the, the main theme of Persona 5, which is kind of funny. And it, it gets laughed at in in the West a bit, I think, um, for that fact. But I think it's uh, it's a very enjoyable, it's a very long game. This is why I disappeared for two months. It's very long. (laughs) It took me like 170 hours to go through the game and do everything that you can do in that game. Which Um, you did because you enjoy it. Yeah, I thought it was really stylish as well. The music was excellent. Like Everything in that game was excellent. It's not the perfect game. But it was overall really excellent, and I wanted to specifically mention this point that I made last time when I was talking to you, but we were not recording, and that is I really think this game only works because it is a mix of the RPG and the simulation, which is why I specifically and I think a lot of people really love it a lot. It's really interesting. I, I want to know where the design decisions for that came from.
0: If they were originally thinking about making it all one or all the other, and then they just went, yeah, this is,
1: we need both. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is if you look at the first Persona game, uh, well, Persona is basically a spin-off from the Shin Megami Tensei series, which is very, very much 100% JRPG. And then they started adding in the social simulation aspects and then they called it Shin Megami Tensei Persona, and then Shin Megami Tensei Persona 2. And then by now, the original game series that it is basically a spin-off of is no longer mentioned in the title. Because it's become a thing on its own. It's become really popular because the formula works. So if you look at the first Persona, it's also very much not like the last one. It was a dungeon crawler, and the social simulation was very limited. Okay and they've been expanding upon it. I want I want to say like the biggest departure between like modern and old persona is f- when they went from the second persona to the third one. And then in Persona 3 for example, you have this random dungeon and that's basically where you'll be spending most of the gameplay. Okay. That is the RPG aspect. And now in the more modern like in the the most recent game Every main dungeon is handcrafted. So there's also still a randomized dungeon in the game. But if you have to go back to like Persona 3, which I will be doing, it's going to be a bit, well, a lot more boring (laughs) than the newest one. But the social simulation aspect is what keeps it from becoming boring. And that's what kind of what I wanted to say. Okay, that's really cool. So yeah, uh, I, I enjoy JRPGs. I am willing to invest a lot of time in them if they're really good i've i've heard that there's some other games that are really good um like trails in the sky i've heard is a, is a good game that's like a series it has a bunch of um different different entries there's 3 in trails in the sky i think and then there's like trails of cold steel which is another spin-off in the similar in a similar vein which is also apparently known for having a really good story but i'm kind of iffy on starting a jrpg because they are so very long yeah. and That's my my biggest problem with the genre mm-hmm. in general is, you know, you're going to be playing this game for 50, 60 plus hours. Um, yeah. And it's not always easy to find the time to go and play them. And you're definitely a completionist, if you're anything. Well, I'm a completionist if the game is good. If the game is, is, is not exceptional, I will not be wasting any more time. Ah, uh, yeah. I would always
0: consider On that a, game. a condition of being anything about a game or a book or anything, really. I mean...
1: I don't, I don't fault anyone for not completing things that are trash. So yeah. I, I don't really drop games for the most part. Sometimes I do. Um, but then I always come back to a game. But what I like to do is when I start a game, I will give it a go and I will play through the entire story at least once. Sometimes I have to turn down the difficulty to make it happen faster to just get through the game because it's not quite as good. Sometimes I really cannot handle the game and I'm like, I've had enough and I'll drop it. But for the most part, if the game is not like a 60 hour JRPG and it's like a 10, 15 hour experience, I'm willing to lower the difficulty just to experience the story. And then most of the time I end up being pretty happy about having finished the game. I mean, I don't have the feeling of, oh no, I need to do all the other stuff in this game. But I'll be like, yeah, I'm pretty glad that I was able to at least get some closure on this game and that I was able to finish the story. Okay. Yeah. I'd say that's respectable. Okay. So yeah, not quite the completionist like uh, no, no, no. the completionist on YouTube is or something like that, but yeah. No, 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 no. I don't mean like hardcore, hardcore.
0: I have to get every trophy, every achievement, every... I mean that you like to have finished the game. You have yes. very few games that you have not finished.
1: And if it's a very exceptional game like a Persona or last year's Horizon Zero Dawn, I will actually go and complete everything. Mm-hmm. But that is more of a rarity than like a thing that I will do frequently. Okay, fair enough. Well, that seems uh, that seems reasonable. Okay,
0: so uh, moving so, on to yeah. the action RPG genre or ARPG. So these are games where there is an element of progression. There's an element of character management, things like that. But it's more focused on action. Almost always this is combat. So we're talking about this. We cannot talk about ARPGs without mentioning Diablo, of course, the game that arguably started it all. Um, there are some uh, kind of recent Diablo clones. I don't want to be really, really harsh to these games, but things like Victor Vran. Diablo-esque Yeah, Diablo-esque, games, yes. Victor Vran, uh, Grim Dawn was actually pretty good. I was playing that with our friend mm-hmm. Uh We both enjoyed the kind of depth and the immersion of the story and the fact that the mm-hmm. art style didn't try to be this cartoony, silly, pastel-shaded art style that Diablo has become and it stuck with the much more gritty grim art style that we came to know and love from much older Diablo titles like Diablo 2 um mm-hmm. Path of Exile yes. actually you've just uh, written that up there that's also you know very much in the same vein the complexity of character development is is superb in Path of Exile yes. um very 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 many different ways you can build your character yes yes indeed incredible detail even if a lot of that detail is mostly basic stat bonuses, which I find a little bit sad, but the sheer complexity of it and how you map out the path to get to where you want to go is usually the bigger factor. And I I can definitely get behind that. Um, Torchlight is another one. This is very, I'd say very simple, very straightforward, um, but enjoyable and fun as a light one. There's a new one coming on the scene, Wolson. Not sure entirely how to pronounce that, but that actually looks pretty good. I have to say it's it's a little bit more realistic than Diablo, but definitely far less cartoony than Torchlight. I'm going to be interested to see where it falls in the genre. I don't know if it's out and it just isn't getting played very much or if it's coming. I've seen a couple of uh, streamers play it, but not much beyond that. So I'm I'm tentatively interested in that, but we'll see where that goes. Um, anything that you'd like to say about ARPGs?
1: Yeah, it's... Uh... Silver's Storytime. Oh boy, yeah, okay. I got my coffee again. Right, okay. I'm not a very big ARPG fan, um, at least not recently. But back in the day, um, I want to say about 10 years ago, or maybe even more, um, back when the original PSP came out, one of the first games I got for it was um, a game from the franchise called Untold Legends. That's a franchise that really only got a few entries on the PSP, then tried to make the jump to the PlayStation 3 and, you know, failed pretty badly. Um But the PSP games in that franchise were pretty good. I really enjoyed those. And those are definitely our ARPGs. Mm-hmm. But I played so many hours of those two Untold Legends games on my PSP yeah. that I really got so tired of the the basic, I guess, gameplay loop, um, in a way that recently I've gotten kind of tired of open world games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that don't do very inov- innovative things. Like, um, I-, I tried playing Sleeping Dogs 2. I think I told you this. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't remember this though. I- I've dropped it. Wow, that's sad. See, the the beautiful thing is, it's got a funny story, and I played. I want to say the first three main missions and it's the story is totally up my alley but i cannot get over the fact that the open world is just more of the same yeah. and i would rather be playing something else and i'm sure i'll be coming back to it like i said before i definitely want to complete the main quest of this game it just isn't the right moment for me yeah
0: no i i get what you're coming at i mean for for me the um the arpg genre a lot of it gets kind of boring for me when it comes to just endless grinding. This is what I was talking about in MMOs. When it becomes, no matter how much I love the gameplay loop, you can have too much of a good thing. Diablo is a fun game. I really do wish that the customization of your character, which is really quite, it, it is very broad, but it is also quite impactful. However, I'm very disappointed by the number of rehashed and recycled abilities. So every character has like 24 spells and every spell has five runes, but I really wish that you would cut that in half and make them all good and viable (laughs) rather than half of them just being trash and kind of pointless. And you're very rarely going to use them for anything. Um, If you see what I'm, they're just not really viable unless you get very, very specific niche conditions on a piece of equipment or something like that. And even then, the game is is now balanced around set bonuses so pretty much not you already know what you're going to build as soon as you start farming for a set so it's fun while it lasts but then you know the novelty wears off and that's pretty much it and this is where i got back into grim dawn because it has much more of a deep story and some some really interesting storytelling um path of exile has terrific character customization in general just because it's so deep like every stat point counts basically um, mm-hmm. Path of Exile, so I'd say that's really yes. Good. But yeah, what I what I enjoy about the ARPG is it's basically it's the MMO without the MMO. <laughs> basically, it's it's
1: yeah. much faster paced. When you just want to blow stuff up, it's a lot of fun. It really is, especially when you reach the end game and your your character is like power leveled or over leveled or has the best gear. Yeah, and you have a huge amount of fun
0: just doing crazy crazy stuff and coming up yes. with new combos yes. and things like that. But again, like for, for me and Diablo, a lot of what killed that was mm-hmm. the set bonuses and things because you can't really yes. customize that much anymore. Um, you have very limited capability. But,
1: so yeah, yeah, I've never played the first or the second Diablo and then I tried Diablo 3 um, and it just wasn't for me. So yeah. I can totally see the the things that people love about the game because that's exactly what I loved about those PSP games that I mentioned. Mm-hmm but I'm just over it, basically.
0: Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Um, my wife and I actually played quite a bit of Diablo 3 on release and, you know, a while. So we we were playing in the in the bad old days when there was the the real money auction house. And oh my gosh, it was – everything was – Oh, yeah. Half of the functionality that you have, really half of the game that you have today wasn't there. And we got super excited about the Diablo title, and then it just – Ah, oh, man, we just played it until we burned out, and that wasn't as long as we would have liked. And then recently, uh, Lely and uh, Jeers got into it, and we we kind of got caught up in it again, but it just didn't have the same magic. It really, it really didn't, which was very sad, because there was so much to get
1: excited about, but we couldn't really enjoy it. Yeah, but I definitely remember you guys um, playing that for like a month or so. Yeah, we did for a couple and of months. Really, really, yeah, really getting into it a lot and uh i was just sitting at the (laughs) sidelines listening to us having fun yeah yeah Uh, but that was
0: kind of the thing it was really fun while it lasted but it just didn't have that same didn't have that same lasting feeling to it i guess it was mm -hmm. more like i'm gonna do this now oh i'm doing that oh man that's really cool and awesome and i could never do this before in the previous game oh wow that's so exciting but the minute you were done exploring that that was basically the end um yeah. so i think in the end uh Lully and jeers ended up playing it longer than we did we started after them and we finished before them
1: <laughs> yeah i remember jeers basically forcing me to buy torchlight uh, because he said it's such a good game you gotta buy it and then torchlight 2 came out and he was like yeah you need to buy it and then we can play it co-op and we've never done it yeah once well yeah <laughs> that's yeah. the funny thing actually um,
0: because we were talking about playing torchlight 2 uh he was mm-hmm. bemoaning the fact that he had no one to play with him poor guy <laughs> yeah. and i said i've I said, I have Torchlight too. I would love to have someone to play with. He said, oh, me too. And then Diablo. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so then Lely was like, oh, you know, well, I, I found Diablo. And uh, well, <laughs> that was pretty much all she wrote. So
1: <laughs> yeah, we all got kind of caught up in that. But yeah, you all had a great time. So that's the most important thing. Okay. So I think uh, we've said
0: pretty much everything there is to be said about ARPGs. Yes, I would agree. Um, I would agree mm-hmm. with so that. So moving on to the exact opposite of the genre, which is the hardcore or classic RPG. So we're talking about things like Baldur's Gate. We're talking about Fallout pre-Fallout 3. So we're not talking about Fallout 3 or 4, just to be clear. So yeah, uh, we don't, Fallout anger and, and ang- Fallout 2. Yeah, we don't want to anger anybody. But well, to a lesser extent, also New Vegas, um, I think, yes. is partly included in that. I realize that it is a mod of Fallout 3, but it def- definitely did a lot more world building and – immersive stuff, immersion um, in order to fill out the world a bit better in terms of story, background yes. lore, and so on than Fallout 3 did, definitely. Um, not to say that these games are bad. I enjoyed Fallout 3 to a lesser extent Fallout 4, but I, I did like both of them. However, we're talking really mm-hmm. about hardcore RPG, so that definitely does not include those two games.
1: Yes. And I would even say that New Vegas probably is not a a hardcore classic rpg no 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 it's just more in that vein uh, it's closer yeah. i guess definitely yeah. so um, let's talk about the
0: one that we've been playing recently which is of course divinity original sin 2 yes what about it i i love it what i think it's it? terrific incredibly deep character building really choice-based gameplay The fact that all your decisions matter, the fact that a lot of the characters are very persistent in the world, they all have their own stories, they're all well-linked into the plot and everything else. I've really, really been enjoying this. Combat feels great, which is something that not every hardcore RPG gets right. And I I really think that Divinity Original Sin 2 has it all. It really, really does. Cannot praise it highly enough.
1: I think Divinity Original Sin is a game... That requires you to put aside some of the video game tropes that you know, and you kind of have to, in order to actually play this game with a bunch of friends in co-op, you're you're gonna find your relationship to your friends will change as you play this game. There will be a different group dynamic. You actually need to talk to one another if you want to do this game right p.s we learned this the hard way (laughs) exactly (laughs) we had a lot of trouble the initial few hours of the game struggling to find our place in the world i guess our balance yeah i want to do the story encounters no i want to run into the that place and oh no and a dialogue has started yeah a wild dialogue appeared yeah Somebody ran off, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Where where, where are you? Where are you guys? Uh, I'm dead. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yes. And uh, yeah, eventually, sooner or later, we did get it ironed out. And now things are buttery smooth, baby. All the time. That's a lie. But yeah, <laughs> it's
1: a beautiful lie. <laughs> I like how some of the... Um, Conflict is also represented by the discussions that your party members have in the game. Yeah, that's true. Um, Generally speaking, a hardcore classic RPG, be it Divinity Original Sin, the sequel, or other games like Baldur's Gate or the old Interplay Fallouts, they all have a really powerful story and importance of dialogue is very significant um, in general, right? Yeah. For example, in the Fallout games, the uh, very funny conditional dialogue options based on your stats mm-hmm. uh, come to mind. Like if you had a zero or like a one intelligence guy <laughs> yeah. in the original Fallout, <laughs> he could only groan stuff at people, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, literally.
0: And when people were talking to you, all you heard was like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> It was ridiculous, but it was so good. <laughs> so funny the fact that they actually recorded all of that they actually voice recorded all of that think about it Mm -hmm. think about it you're you're a voice actor you're a professional right you go in and you do the voice acting for this character and then the creative lead says to you now i want you to do all that again and your motivation is no one can understand a word that you say because they are a (laughs) complete and utter imbecile and you're just like Cool. I can do that. (laughs) It's just like, oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. It's great. That was, that was really fun. Part of, part of what I really enjoy actually about hardcore RPGs, I guess, is when they don't take themselves too seriously and you do get things like that where they punish, they know that there are certain players out there who will power game and they punish those power gamers in really amusing ways. (laughs) I really, really like that. Because it's it's almost like the developers are saying, We know who you are. <laughs> nah, uh-uh. Stop stop fucking with our game, please. Like <laughs> we've we've already been here. <laughs> like I just I just love that. It's in a way yeah. the devs are kind of showing you flexing their intellectual muscles a little bit. Um, which I think is kind of fun. But uh yeah, I I don't know, like what do, what do we love about hardcore RPGs? I love the immersion, I love the I love the dialogue. Just yeah. yeah. I mean divinity really
1: exemplifies everything that I love in an RPG. There's also a lot of complex systems or more complex. A lot of RPGs nowadays are simplified or like the stats sure they play a role but they're not super important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In in a in a hardcore classic RPG and in a in a certain way this is also JRPGs are more hardcore classic RPG like I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, where the, the stats uh, are very important.
0: Yeah, they tend to be a lot more technical.
1: They tend to force a lot more sacrifice, things like that, I think. Good stuff. At least. And there's I've been seen. an influx um, of those games lately too. And this all started with Wasteland 2, and then uh, Pillars of Eternity happened. Yes. Uh, all these enhanced editions of classic games like Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate 2, uh, Icewind Dale, all of these games had uh, enhanced editions made. Mm-hmm. So you can now enjoy them in glorious, well, 10, high definition. 10, I guess. 1080p, yeah. <laughs> Woo, boy. Um, yeah. Anyway, better than running them at um, 600 by 400 for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. I I slight with it with but everything yes, up. Absolutely more enjoyable than that. Absolutely.
0: Well, anyway, so yeah, hard to hard to really talk too much about hardcores because there's so much detail involved. I mean, mm-hmm. the the great thing that I find with hardcore. RPGs is that when you're talking to people, and this is actually something that interestingly is very closely held in common with tabletop, pencil and paper, old school RPG sitting around a table um, with people face to face. And that is that everyone has their stories that they tell about what happened in the game and what they were doing and how things played out. And I think in a really good hardcore RPG, you have that. And it's very rare to have that in an ARPG. It's mostly rare to have that happen in an MMO or in an MMO, it's going to happen where you were interacting with another player and that's the story. But oftentimes those stories go something like, I was doing this and some guy came and just randomly killed me for no reason. And we had this huge argument and then we ended up being best friends, right? That's the ideal story. (laughs) So- um, but the thing I really love about the uh, the hardcore RPG is that people have stories about a completely fictional world, but they're so dedicated, uh, so drawn into it that they have this really deep connection with it. I think that's really great. Yes. Um, speaking of immersion, I guess that moves us on very naturally to the open world genre, whose we've, explicit intention – have we talked about it? Did we start with open world? We've briefly covered yeah, um, I think we need I was
1: talking about JRPGs.
0: Right, okay. I think it would be worth because we started off talking about Assassin's Creed and then we we had to cut that <laughs> because it, it mm-hmm. became the Assassin's Creed uh genre section. Yes. Um But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think the
1: what is the purpose of Open World? So the purpose of Open World is to give well, you something to explore, right? Yeah. There's generally speaking, I think if you look at all open world games, there's Kind of two big categories or like, um yeah, two big categories that you can kind of put them in anyway. Okay, yeah. So there's one category where the main character or a cast of characters is kind of the star of the game. Sure. And then there's another category where the world itself, the entire world that you can explore and um all these activities that you can undertake. In this world is the actual star of the game.
0: Yeah. So some games, you are the protagonist and in other games, in a sense, the world is the
1: protagonist. In a sense. You still have, of course, a protagonist. But if you look at the game, like what makes it so great, it is the- The environment. The world. Yeah. uh, Everything that makes it so beautiful. Like in Assassin's Creed, sure, the assassins are cool, but- all those different cities that have been painstakingly modeled and rebuilt in a way you can time travel back into history far more amazing than a few hooded guys killing other guys, basically right? yeah well that's that's kind of the cool thing about that though because you can play it for either reason, mm, but yeah, yeah, you were saying, but if you look at like what is the most exceptional about the game, generally speaking to me at least Assassin's Creed is all about the the world, sure and the environments that you mm-hmm. visit and then there's other games that are more uh character driven like a GTA yeah um like a Sleeping Dogs um although even even in Sleeping Dogs I definitely
0: more so than in GTA I had a feeling like I was I was very much anchored in the world the world was very much the canvas upon which I was painting but it wasn't like it wasn't even remotely like for me something like um Fallout for example Where in Fallout, you basically feel like you're this gigantic beefcake stomping all over the land and, you know, nobody can mess with you after, you know, the 10 hours of gameplay or so. Whereas Mm -hmm. I very much felt like in Sleeping Dogs, I was a character in the world, but the world was a very important
1: part of the game and the story. Yes. Well, in a certain way, um, the best games in that genre are the ones that do the combination of both really well like the world is exceptional but also the storytelling is is done really well yeah Mm -hmm. that's definitely true like gta 5 got a lot of 10 out of 10s when it initially released sure and when you look at the single player portion like the way they've recreated california Mm -hmm. the way the main characters, all of their fantastic motivations, the way the characters' storylines intersect it ju- it just makes me really sad that they n- that we never got a single player expansion because I thought that it was a really fantastic single player game interesting
0: okay no that's that's really good I've never actually played um
1: much of the gta series I played a little bit of San Andreas back in the day, and that was about it mm-hmm. so yeah i've played um uh, gta five i when I was younger, my my parents actually told me you can't play that game. That's not good for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it had And also they were all of those games were on console too, and I didn't have a console. I had a PC, so there you go.
0: Yeah, so that that like 400 euro barrier really did it. <laughs> even if even yes. if you had <laughs> wanted to <laughs> despite your yeah. parents' uh, best intentions.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I had a neighbor uh oh boy, didn't we all? <laughs> and um <laughs> Well, he had he had the GTA, so I did get yeah. to uh, to play a little bit of GTA. But uh yeah.
0: huh, yeah, didn't we all? That's why your parents don't want you to do that because they know that that's what teenage boys are going to do. They're going to run people over and throw f- molotovs at each other, and yes. they don't want their children replicating that behavior because they might do it in real life. Y- you, right, mom. Yep. Wow. Well, no. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna siphon some petrol out of our car, make a molotov, and throw it at my friend. Yes,
1: that's exactly what's going to happen. To be fair though, if you're like ten years old, you probably shouldn't be playing a game that's about shooting hookers or stuff like that. I'm not that recommending anymore. that if you're ten,
0: yeah. If you were if yeah, you were exactly. ten at the so, time, yeah.
1: When uh Vice City came out, I was like twelve or something. So. Oh yeah. That's disgusting. There you yes. go. Yes, yes, indeed. That's way too way too wrong. And so yeah, I was doing other things like murdering Greek and Egyptian gods in Age of Mythology. Instead, yes. Far more wholesome and edifying content <laughs> indeed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you look at the RPG likes, um, in, in previous episodes, we said, well, these are the things we really like about a specific genre. And this is like a, a broader category with a bunch of genres in there. What, what is the most, what is like, what do you really enjoy about RPG likes? That you would say applies to like all the subgenres. And, um, what do you like the least? I can come up with, uh, like the, what do I like the least? And that is the grindy aspect of RPGs in general, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what I love the most is the freedom, the storytelling. We've covered this in part when we mentioned Mass Effect, which is, of course, an action role playing game. Yeah,
0: but more yeah, more the kind of third person.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We mentioned this in the first episode of our um of our genre discussion. Yeah, we did. Touched on it for a while. You talked a lot about the multiplayer. Yes. Yeah. So, can you think of something that you expressly like about RPG likes or dislike? Something that really encapsulates the genre for me
0: is the character building. It's the same thing for me that defines the genre. So the fact that you have – I talked about in Guild Wars, the fact that your skill build and your stat build was so important. And sure, there are other games in which you do that sort of thing, but I guess it's a a marriage of the significance of your character and how that plays out in the environment that that character finds themselves in. So in Guild Wars, right. I really liked the fact that when you went on an adventure out into the wild mm-hmm. somewhere or you did a mission or whatever, it – Kind of felt significant that you were away from home, so to speak, because you couldn't just change your skills and your stats while you were out there, so this added to the necessity of team play and various other things, but mm-hmm. it felt like your choices were significant because that played out in a specific and significant way in the world. Um, I yes. think this kind of mirrors what you were talking about in persona, where you feel like you're playing through this, part of it is a simulation, part of it is something else but your choices are very important your character building is important because of the way that that plays out in the in the world so it's not just that you're playing a puzzle game where you're trying to put together the best character mm-hmm. it's a it's yeah. an applied puzzle game in a sense um and this is very true throughout the genre it's true in diablo it's true in mass effect it's true
1: in divinity it's true in in any of these games yes. that's what i really like and i i also think that the rpg likes are clearly the type of games that are easily the most replayable because there's always another decision you can make or another build yes. you can try or yes. something like exactly. that. Exactly, um,
0: That was one of the things, oddly enough, I know it's not really in the category, but I really love Stalker as a game. And I've also really enjoyed um, Metro, the Metro series. And one of the things I really enjoyed about that is how deeply – the weapons that you choose, bizarrely enough, can influence your gameplay. And you don't see this a lot in a lot of games. Because normally it's like, it's dumbed down to the point where everyone can choose whatever weapon they like in order to make it more approachable and get more market share. And I understand the motivations for that. But if you choose certain weapons in one of these games, those weapons may not be available to you again for a long time. So every choice can matter. When you find the sniper rifle somewhere in Metro, you're like, hmm, well, might not find another one of these for a while. Maybe I better pick this thing up. It's not immediately valuable where I am, but it definitely will be as part of an ongoing approach to combat. So maybe that's a good thing for me. to It's a more of a long-term choice. It's kind of an interesting, very, very light
1: role-playing element which i kind of thought was cool um yeah and you have this in a in a bigger sense with like unique weapons yes in in role-playing games in general definitely Um, and this very starkly contrasts the looter shooter where you (laughs) get a bunch of guns and in a way diablo suffers kind of the same curse there's like lots of loot that you get Mm -hmm. like you know what what is really special anymore
0: yeah and Um, when you get when you get that legendary drop it isn't legendary by definition. It's mm-hmm. a legendary, which is almost an oxymoron in two words.
1: Yes, exactly. A legendary.
0: <laughs> so what makes what makes it legendary? <laughs> I, I remember uh, defeating a boss a while ago and I got like three legendaries and two set items and I was like, oh, but these are all trash. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> I mean, you know, they're theoretically these should be things like Wars have been fought over these items, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I like that turn of phrase. Um, a legendary. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I was thinking a while ago, this is another one for the science of games podcast, but I'm going to touch on it, uh, very, very briefly. I was thinking Mm -hmm. about how could you avoid a legendary problems? How could you avoid the a legendary syndrome? Yeah. And I was thinking about various solutions to that. But we'll talk about
1: that another time. Sorry to tease, but there it is. Yeah. Um, and what we will be touching upon next episode is the genre in which the looter shooters fit. Indeed. All kinds of shooter-like. Yeah. So we're going to be going there, balls deep, as we do. <laughs> we will be discussing the following genres next episode. Battle Royale, which is the biggest hype today yep we'll be talking about chicken run shooters what those are precisely we'll be covering too i, I named we'll those talking about I named those by the way just just claiming that right now
0: <laughs> yes chicken run shooters hey. yeah
1: chicken chicken run shooters baby we'll also be covering looter shooters and top-down shooters but that's happening next episode indeed so make sure you tune
0: in then and catch all the great stuff on the down low right here at xpg
1: So, it means that I will be wishing everybody a good morning, good afternoon, a good evening, or if you're staying up late, a fantastic good night. Indeed. And we will see you next episode.
0: Take care, everybody.